0: When you put them all together and someone wants to wear this ring for the rest of their life and you have not-so-great diamonds in a not-so-great setting, it's a not-so-great situation.
1: what is up everybody my name is Blake Fletcher and this is the half hour intern podcast where we explore the interesting paths that people take in life and I myself recently took an interesting path of moving to Phoenix Arizona so I have left San Francisco I'm now recording this from Phoenix Arizona and uh, so my office is like completely empty right now with the exception of my computer and my microphone so uh, that's why this might sound a little bit more echoey than usual over the next couple of days I'll get all kinds of different soundproofing stuff up in here but right now it's just an empty room and me and my microphone. So anyways, uh, excited to be here in Phoenix. It's a really cool city. So uh, on today's episode, I interview Hannah Powers, who is a gemologist. So that is a person that grades and uh, and looks at and researches and all these other things, gemstones. So things like diamonds and rubies and sapphires. And as you will come to learn in the episode, um, kind of semi-precious or non-precious stones as well. Like So even something like a limestone or something like that um and i guess they're particularly becoming in vogue right now having semi-precious stones um as you know us hipsters like to do you got to have you got to have some of the non-fancy stuff sometimes so anyways uh hannah will go over all different kinds of interesting stuff about gemology like how gems are graded um and we will have an interesting discussion on what the value is of something like a diamond and we're like why do we even care about diamonds and i kind of argue my point for why we should not place value on things like that and then hannah argues her point for why diamonds are awesome and why it's a wonderful beautiful thing so um with Without further ado, here is Gemology. Hannah, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
0: Hey, I'm so excited to be here. This is awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. So I'm going to like totally tee one up for you here for the first question, but it has been a long (laughs) time since I took any sort of like high school uh, science classes, and I don't even know if this kind of stuff was covered in high school science. So just tell us, what is a gem?
0: So the definition of it is a gem is a precious or semi-precious stone. A lot of times they're polished or unpolished, but those would include like a diamond, emeralds.
1: What gives it that sort of classification? You said it's semi-precious or precious or whatever. Like, is it... Does it just basically mean that it's shiny, that you can kind of see through it? Like, I, I, I guess, like, if I'm looking at a piece of limestone or, uh, or like a piece of granite or something like that um, versus a diamond, it's like that. I feel like that's obvious. Like, oh, yeah, like a diamond's a gem. A piece of limestone is not. But is there a more, I guess, scientific definition than that of, of what makes a gem a gem versus what makes a rock a rock?
0: Okay. So this is me being a little bit silly, but actually, so for when I was studying, I did focus a lot more on diamonds and the colored stone portion of things was not always my highest level. Um, I kind of was a little bit like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty. So the actual answer to that for me would be, yeah, yeah, it's prettier. Um, there are some things that do come into play, like is, um, is it what level to can it be fashioned like cutting stones and that kind of thing but um more so it's prettier or it's used in jewelry like um stuff like that so
1: so there really is no like it has to grow in a cave or like be inside of there's there's some like chemical process that has to make a gem or, or anything like that it's just like it's it's pretty so it's a gem yep that's that's crazy. I can't believe that.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure. I mean, that's more what it's about. Yeah, because you could you can facet limestone, and and people do use that as gems. Also, that's to interesting. I was gonna level. say,
1: like, because it makes me then think of of really. Because when I was a kid, I was really into like cool looking rocks and stuff, and it makes me think of something like tiger's eye or something. Which, like, tiger's eye, if you just found one on the ground, I would imagine just looks more like a rock you know like you really need to shine it up for it to look like like it doesn't i guess my point about a a rock like tiger's eye is it's not a crystal it's definitely not a crystal you know so i think a lot of people when they think of gems think of crystals of any sort of crystalline structure but yeah like certain rocks when polished up start to look pretty nice
0: no, as of now it it kind of defies that logic because people even it's it's like um it's changed a lot. Like people will even take like rocks from an area that they found and they will facet them for jewelry. It it's more so much more about the level that people the level of interest people have in a specific look and how they can use that in jewelry. Like um you know I don't think coral is specifically all that pretty, but that is something that I identified as a graduate gemologist. So, yeah.
1: So even something like coral, they would have a gemologist look at. But Would they call that a gem or would they just say like, look, you're a gemologist, so we want you to kind of grade this, but it's just coral?
0: No, they would, I mean, I would call, I would definitely say it's a gem. In school, I can't remember them defining it as other, anything other than a gem, um, which I thought was crazy, too. Like, I really thought I was going to go into this school and learn about diamonds, learn about emeralds, rubies, and that was pretty much going to be. But, like, there's quartz, and quartz is in every different color, and really, it's nothing phenomenal, but they use that in everything, and you can find that on the ground. Yeah. Just chilling out so it's crazy it's crazy
1: so let's talk a little bit about the difference i guess then between a crystal gem versus a rock gem um if you could just give us a quick little like one minute science class on how a crystal is formed and like what makes something like a, a like an emerald or something versus something like a uh, like a tiger's eye or like a rock that you just shined up
0: Cool, cool. They're all um, formed in the ground, and it has to do with, like, how far down, the pressure, what elements are in there. It's a lot about the elements um, and what's surrounding what region that that stuff kind of forms and makes it happen. My biggest thing, and since I am, like, such a diamond nut and um, can give you a, bi- a million reasons why diamonds are the best, was this is one, and this is kind of a cool thing. As far as, like, diamond is carbon, and then if you add nitrogen to that, that makes it yellow, or if you add boron to it, it makes it blue, and then they've even had trouble identifying, like, exactly what makes diamonds pink, and they come in all these different colors, which not everyone knows, and um, so, like, that's one thing where the the gem is in the earth, and it's... um, Components and the elements around it, the pressure where it is located, all that stuff, um, you know, pushing down on this eventually forms a diamond, and it can make them blue or pink or that kind of thing.
1: What makes a a quote unquote new gem or a new crystal? Like, how is it that when we're looking at jade? and then we're looking at emerald, we see those as two different things that are worthy of two different names. Or like you mentioned that a diamond can get a blue color to it, depending on if there is a uh, like another element down there while the diamond is forming. Now, how did someone look at that blue diamond and classify that as a blue diamond, and then somebody else somewhere found sapphire and is like, this is a sapphire? Like, How do we know that one is a blue diamond and one is a sapphire?
0: Oh, um, because... The elements, like a diamond is carbon, and if it were blue, it would have carbon and boron, whereas it's other elements for other. And in my schooling, I don't learn the specific elements. That's more of a geologist, but it's other elements put together under heat and pressure that make that thing.
1: So they actually basically will use some instruments to study them on like an atomic level and see what this is. Yeah.
0: Exactly. They have different... And the RIs, uh, re- refractive index, which is something we use to identify them, is also different. That's kind of the number. So the refractive index is not... It's not so much that they are... It's not how they were formed, but it's um, the elements that put together when they were formed created a... um a component called refract, a refractive index, and that refractive index is different, and it's how it puts off light. It's different for um, for different stones. Okay. so that's a number that we use to identify that we can actually test for that number so you were asking like a sapphire it has a different refractive index than a diamond so and it's they like also,
1: kind of like an e- a, like a, a cheap and easy way to determine what like what something is when you find it
0: yeah and then also you have like a polariscope and digroscope and a spectroscope and these things are things that like, stones can be singly refractive or doubly refractive. And and this is kind of getting in depth into what I did. And there are components of this stone um, that you can physically see that, again, identify them as one thing or another thing.
1: Okay. Interesting. And now... Then I guess what allows us to classify, like how often nowadays is a completely new gem found that did not exist before? And what allows us to say this is something new versus this is a, a spin on something that we've already seen before?
0: Well, there's nothing new under the sun, so they aren't out there discovering new gems every day. But people are constantly um, – they're constantly bringing things back or um, they're constantly – like a big thing right now is, is natural rocks, like being fastened at – craft shows and things, and made into cool necklaces. And then that's a whole other side of gems that, you know, wasn't there previously. For the most part, gems, you know, back with kings and queens were more um, definitely precious. Whereas now, a lot lot of things are becoming popular and um, they're semi-precious, like just rocks and like you um, said like limestone
1: or something like that yeah
0: yeah cool stuff that you can find out there in the world so
1: okay so there it sounds like there's there's no new discoveries being made like when was the last if you happen to know off the top of your head like about when was the last new gem discovered was it like 500 years ago or was it like oh no like in 1960 they found something cool and that was like the last time it happened
0: I am sorry. I don't know the answer to that question. But what I can tell you is, um, like, some gems are lesser known and some are much more known. So it's almost like they filter back through as a new gem anyways. Or one thing that is coming about um, the colors of gems were kind of a newer thing to find. Um, I would... I would assume it would have been in the last, like, you know, 200 years. Colored gems, colored diamonds and things weren't as um, found and weren't as understood back then. So they couldn't necessarily be like, this is a blue diamond. So they're coming out as something new.
1: Right. And And now they can try to command extra dollars for it because they know it's a diamond.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. So funny, man. That's also silly. I can't wait to talk about some of what I would consider silly about it and what you probably think is really awesome about it. And yeah, we could yeah. go like toe to toe on that a little bit later exactly. in the interview. But I'm totally first, for it. <laughs> awesome. Before we get to that, uh, let's talk about the four C's of basic gemology. So I was watching a video on gemology prior to this interview, and they talked about the four C's of like just the basics of grading a gem, I guess, or like determining things about a gem. So why don't you tell us what those are?
0: All right, this is my baby. <laughs> um, okay, so I love this part of things. Um, you, this is an opinion, which is why it's such a unique field because you are literally learning to comprehend well enough an opinion of a group of people that have deemed themselves worthy of creating this scale for diamonds. For example, like it used to be, there were top Wesselton diamonds and stuff like that. And then now this group of people, which is GIA, which is the graduated, um, Institute uh, Gemological Ge- Institute of America, they came about and they said, okay, we need to break it down a little bit better. So we're going to identify things by um, carrot. Which is the weight of a stone, which is annoying to me because it's actually um, C-A-R-A-T, but you call it like a stone weight. And so it's the the four C's is kind of a funny thing. It's definitely um, created by the sellers to make things more in, um, understandable for people.
1: Wait, you mean carrots K-A-R-A-T, right?
0: No, there's K-A-R-A-T, which is the stamp on metal. And um, that's a different thing. And then there's C-A-R-A-T, which is the weight of a gem. Just the size. Yeah. But again, uh, it's yeah, it's the size or literally there's you put it on a a scale and it it tells you a carat weight, but it's a weight. So the carrot thing is just kind of they made it four C's. (laughs) but, um, and then you have cut and then you have clarity and then you have color. So those are the four C's, carrot, cut, clarity, color. And um, when the main things I would say that you're looking at If you are going to purchase a diamond, you are going in with a set amount of money typically or kind of an idea of what you want to spend. So you can do it one way or the other way. You can kind of go in and say, okay, I want um, this carat weight and then I want to adjust the clarity and the color to fit within my price range. Or you can say, I want this clarity and color and adjust the carat weight to fit into my price range. Mm, Yeah um which okay so clarity is um the aspects inside the gem that make it clean to the eye like you can't see any imperfections Or they make um, you can see the imperfections to the eye, and it's on a it's on. You use a microscope to check it out and see how. And when I'm saying clean, it means can you can you see with your eye what is inside the gem that would make it not like a piece of glass, totally see through or totally clear. And then color is you want a diamond typically to be void of color. So completely see-through, completely um, crystal clear and, and white. Um, but the color um, can definitely get more of a yellow hint. And it's actually really interesting to see diamonds up against each other. It's crazy because you can see one is definitely more void of color than the other.
1: Yeah, I bet uh. it's one of those things where when you look at one in isolation, you're like, oh, this is really clear. And then you hold up a more clear <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait, never mind. That first one like wasn't even that clear at all.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's very comical sometimes. So, um, and then the cut is basically, do you want um, a round diamond with um, uh, facets, the typical round brilliant way? Do you want a round diamond with a checkerboard cut, which is where there are facets on top? These are not typical ways that they sell um, diamonds, but other gemstones are also um, fashioned in different um different cuts and they are broken down by their, um, carrot clarity and color as well. So
1: how many different clarity and color classifications are there for a diamond?
0: All right. So color goes the way, the whole way from D to Z. Um, and every
1: single letter is used like D E F G H I J K. All right.
0: Yes. But they're kind of in chunks. Um, so D E and F is colorless, which is also weird because it's one of those things like, Not many other um, specifications or uh, jobs really are like, oh, this is a range for uh, one single thing, or this is a range for near colorless. So like D, E, and F are colorless. G, H, I, J are near colorless. And then it goes K to M is faint. N to R is very light. S to Z is light. And then it gets into fancy colors, um, which very light and light kind of are fancy colors. You can often find them in that um realm of things like something can look extremely light blue or yeah
1: okay and then uh how about the clarity classifications how many of there of those are there
0: Um, There are 11 different um, ways to describe the clarity. And in those 11, there's flawless, there's internally flawless, there's um, very, very slightly included one, very, very slightly included two, very slightly included one, very slightly included two, um, slightly included one, slightly included two, and included one, two, and three.
1: Okay. 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 So, 11 different clarities and, like, whatever it would be, 22 different colors or something like that. So, there's, like, just thousands of different... uh, Combinations? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes, there are thousands of different combinations. And it's always very interesting what people want to purchase.
1: (laughs) Now, those different classifications and grades that you're talking about make a lot of sense, obviously, for diamonds and everything. Are those the exact same classifications and grades that you would be using for something like a sapphire or an emerald? Or do they have their own things?
0: Yes, they are on the same scale. The scale does have slightly different names just because they are colored stones. And um, the scale also shifts down quite a bit um, just because more gems have um, different inclusions and break down to be more included than, say, diamonds do. Some diamonds do have tons of inclusions, but it's it's more of a different breakdown in that way.
1: Inclusions being like an imperfection of some kind.
0: Yes. Okay,
1: yep, yep. so uh, uh, something like an emerald or a jade or whatever might uh, it will more likely have many more um, imperfections than a diamond will. So they have to kind of like open up the bottom end of grading for other stones yep. to allow yep. for these things,
0: and just kind of make things more broad to get everybody in there in a in a nice way.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay, interesting. Um, what are what, like, after a diamond, what is the most, like, expensive... St- like, if you could give us maybe, like, the top five expensive stones or whatever, I would imagine the diamond is at the top. Or if it's not, let us know. And then, like, kind of where does it go after diamond? Where does it go from there?
0: So, to answer your question, a uh, per-carat alexandrite is um, definitely, uh, actually... When I left the jewelry store wholesale-wise, it was more expensive than Alexandrite, which that was like a year and a half ago. So kind of in range, I would still stick with Alexandrite being the most expensive. It's a color change stone. It's um just uh, got some cool qualities and definitely more expensive. What does a color then change stone mean? Um, When you put it in low light, it's a different color than when you have it um in other light. It's, that sounds it's awesome. Yeah, it is crazy. Also. Like a really
1: expensive mood ring or something.
0: Yes, it's totally like a really expensive mood ring, but it's it's like legit. It really does it. Um, it's so weird to see. I never thought that stuff in the world could do that. <laughs> and is
1: it is it crystalline though? Like it's it it's like crystal like, like almost like see through, but you can but the color yeah. changes.
0: Yep. Wow, yep. that sounds um, awesome. It's not. Uh, do you? It's more on the side. Like, it's not a dark sapphire, but, like, it looks kind of like a, a sapphire would look. That would be something that people could relate to. But, yeah, if you hold it under different lights, it changes colors from red to, like, a bluish green.
1: Wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, I want my husband to get me one, but that may never
1: happen. <laughs> <laughs> so that one's more expensive than a diamond is?
0: Yes. Okay. Um Alexandrite, and then there's... Um, diamonds I would say this is kind of a general it's not exactly the way things are but alexandrite then diamonds well colored diamonds then diamonds and i would break them into two different segments wow then, i can't
1: believe the color diamonds would be more expensive i figured that like crystal clear would have to be more expensive than any color diamond
0: no if you well if you are looking at the same carat weights and uh, Character, characteristics of like a pink diamond to a colorless diamond. You're gonna the pink diamond's gonna blow it out of the water. Wow. Um. So yeah, because they're not as they're definitely more rare. But that's I should say colored gem, colored diamonds such as pink diamonds, blue diamonds, red diamonds, or green diamonds. Not necessarily brown diamonds or cognac diamonds, as people call them. Yeah. Um. And then tanzanite. Uh, would be the next one so and then it all kind of breaks down to a little bit more even so
1: and which color is tanzanite again
0: tanzanite is like a light purplish blue okay yeah cool so definitely it's up there and it is pretty it is pretty
1: yeah um so what types of tools do you guys use to to determine these sorts of things to determine what sorts of grades and how you're going to classify things
0: yeah. All right. Well, this is a cool thing. So when you go to school, um, they start you off with the diamond portion of things. And uh, you're in a room and you use a microscope. And that's your tool for diamond grading. And well, and you have tweezers that you hold the diamond um, under the microscope. And you have a diamond cloth, which will clean the diamond off and make it have no fingerprints. Um, you can have master stones, which is a range of stones of, in the near – like colorless, near colorless, and faint range. And then you can kind of go through and see like what uh, you can put the stone you're grading up to the master stones to kind of see where it falls in the color scale. Um, but it's, it's um, awesome because you, that's some of the tools that you're using, but it's awesome because you're just also sitting in front of a microscope, doing your own thing, looking at these stones and grading them. You're learning to, follow GIA's or the Gemological Institute of America's kind of opinion about what makes a stone pretty. Like where is the imperfection located? Is it too close to the center of the stone that makes it a lower grade or is it out on the outside that makes it kind of covered the diamond itself kind of covers the imperfections in the facets. And then you look at that. Hmm. Um, There's also a tool called a fishbone where you're getting all kind of, um, different angles for like the pavilion and um the different facets and is the culet which is the bottom pointy part of the diamond is that too big sometimes they chop them off so there's all that different stuff that falls into how how um a diamond is graded clarity wise
1: and then do you guys have more are, are there more advanced tools that people can use like once they graduate or whatever are there is there like a thing you can just put it under and it's like this is what it is and it just figures it out for you
0: Um, If we're talking about diamonds, no. Um, Colored stones, you use a refractometer to get the RI, which is that kind of identifying number of all the gems. And um, that you can get an automatic one that you can just like poke it on the stone and get. We learned to manually do it in school, but you can get like a pokey refractometer.
1: A pokey refractometer. Love that name.
0: <laughs> Not the <technical> to term.
1: <laughs> I mean, you said it, so it must be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, back when I was in college, I went to, uh, I went to University of Arizona for college. And nice. I was a pizza delivery driver at Brooklyn Pizza. If anyone's ever down in Tucson, you should totally go to Brooklyn Pizza on 4th <laughs> Avenue. It is super awesome. And uh, anyways, I would always hate this one part of the year. Um, it was the Tucson Gem Show and it is massive like i don't know if the tucson gem show is the biggest gem show in the country or the biggest gem show in the world all i know is like it takes up an entire like portion of tucson like the whole city there's maybe i'd say like 15 hotels next to each other that each one of those hotels has an entire like area where all these pe- like tables are and uh that like everyone's showing off their gems and buying and selling and talking about things and this and that like i i don't know that i've ever seen such a large conference for anything in my entire life as the tucson gem show and it was like such a difficult thing as a pizza delivery driver because we would <laughs> we would get like so many orders and it would always be like oh we're like at this hotel at booth number <laughs> j2 outside and it's like oh <laughs> my gosh like uh, where is booth j2 like i don't know but uh anyways i remember just being like blown away at how many people were into gems and were into this hobby or were into this career community or whatever it is that you want to call it um talk a little bit about like the size and the scope of the gem community because i think for people that haven't seen the tucson gem show like it would uh it's hard to imagine like i guess how big it is and have you ever been to the tucson gem show
0: no i have been to gem shows but not lucky enough to to be at that one yet but i'm sure i'll get there <laughs> um okay well first of all the jewelry industry itself is like this crazy thing that stretches from like ocean to ocean because um you know there are people who just like jewelry and they only like certain jewelry but they still want to get good prices, and they still like to look at stuff. So that really then opens up this whole, you know, they can go to the Gems show, and then there's people who are buying and selling, and then there's people who... um just love to actually look at rocks and know more of the scientific end, way more of the scientific end than even I do or I ever will know because they're into the growth and that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's uh, collectors who are in it more for like antique purposes and like they're trying to find a stone to go in antique mounting because they're going to use it on a movie set or whatever else or that kind of thing. And it just stretches this huge, vast, area um that's such a good
1: point that it's like a very big community because there's so many different reasons why someone would be a part of the community
0: yeah like i became a i became a part of this community because i was this little girl who only wanted you know avon rings for my birthday i didn't know what that really would come to be or how to get a job in the industry or any of that and when you're figuring out things these gem shows are thrown at you and you go and um a lot of times they're a great place as far as price to get stuff and then you can basically just fall in love no matter what you were in it for it's like oh this is great so yeah
1: yeah absolutely Is the Tucson gem show the biggest one in the country? Like, is that one actually well-known or does it, is it like, no, this is what they're all like. Like they're all just huge like this.
0: Oh no, 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 no. That one is definitely, definitely it's, it's, uh, if not the biggest, uh, absolutely one of the huger ones. I am th- pretty sure it is the biggest. I mean, uh, yeah, I knew about that for like ever and, and GIA, like the people who went to the school with me, that was a big, you know, deal. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff happens out there. Um, there is one in New York that's really, there are other big ones. Um, and yeah, you go and you're like, how many gems can you see today?
1: Yeah. It's unreal. <laughs> um,
0: I totally. I can't imagine delivering pizzas to it, but yeah. yeah, definitely a big field.
1: Yeah, just crazy. All right, so now let's have our part where we uh, try to explain our case for why we think we're right as to whether or not diamonds are worth it and like what the deal is and stuff like that. So, um, cool, cool. I I will I guess make my case and then you please make your rebuttal as to uh, as to why I'm an idiot. So, awesome. I guess. I just, I don't understand like why anyone would pay so much money for a rock and like why this is what we've determined is like the thing for, for marriage. And and as a side, I feel like it's a very, uh, like almost destructive mindset and mentality that, that we are instilling in women and like instilling in people that, you need to buy this nice thing in order to prove your love for me. And maybe if you can't afford this nice thing, then how how else can you really show your love for me like i don't know you know it's like it's like there's this de facto thing of like you know girls when they get engaged it's like oh let me see your ring like they always ask let me see your ring let me see your ring and what they kind of mean by that is like how big is it honestly like that they mean like how big is your ring and it's like man sorry for like the poor uh (laughs) like uh fiance that like doesn't have a lot of money in savings and like didn't want to accrue a ton of debt in order to buy this like you know really nice ring or something and i I just i feel like that's a really bad standard to be set for uh for like a value of a relationship or a value of of anything I, i man it just it really like rubs me the wrong way so tell me why tell me why that's silly and why it shouldn't rub me the wrong way and why like diamonds really are super awesome and worth their money
0: cool okay well first of all what did you get she is your wife you are now married i am sometimes at the beginning of the podcast and sometimes at the end so i'm like uh, filling in the spaces in between of like when you guys got married and stuff so okay so did you get her a diamond
1: yeah so i'll have to give a shout out i don't know what their name is (laughs) i I will find them and put them on uh, a link on my website because they're absolutely amazing but so my wife is uh, like I mean, she's my wife. Like, I love her. And and there's so many reasons why I love her. And one of the reasons that I love her is she probably sees eye to eye with a lot of those things that I just said. And I knew that she wouldn't care at all. Like, she doesn't know what a carrot means or what a carrot looks like or anything like that, you know? And so I, I went on Etsy. And, and my wife, my wife is like super like stylish and like hip looking and stuff, you know, like, I don't know. I don't really know, really know how else to say that. And so I knew that she would care much more about having something super unique and super cool than she would about the size of anything. Like that means nothing to her. So I went and found her a ring that I think was. It was either like a third or a half of a carat diamond in a trillium cut. It's like a triangle. Nice. And uh, it's so interesting and unique looking like the on this little ring and uh and then it has like a, a little wedding band that's almost like a horseshoe with two little dotted diamonds on the ends of the horseshoe that go around awesome. the triangle anyways it's just like it's unbelievably unique looking and it was made by this uh married couple in israel and i found this couple on uh etsy and the whole reason i went on etsy is because again like i don't really care, and i know that my wife doesn't really care that much about like the purest of quality of diamonds like I, I thought that the one thing that my wife might care about is like to have a super unique ring and what ended up really cool and interesting and ironic about that is like you know i don't know i don't know if her her ring is like pure or not like i or like you know it clear like if it would grade well i don't know like neither does she and, uh, and it's, I know it's small Like I know that it's not a large diamond And yet everyone That like it, you know th- th- so many girls Are like oh let me see like when we got engaged Like oh let me see your, your ring They like flip out when they see her ring like They're like oh my god that is so cool And meanwhile they have like much bigger rings On their fingers you know And it's like they, and, and, like, they cared a lot more About getting a bigger ring Or it's, I, maybe so they thought or I don't know But then when they see Asta's ring They're like legitimately jealous of Asta's ring Because they're like oh it's so unique and it's so different, I guess that's not something I ever really thought of in terms of a diamond. All I've ever thought of is like size, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I, um, first of all, I would like to say that you have to find in your life, a partner that feels the same way about the engagement experience as you do, because yeah, I that's mean, really good advice. <laughs> it just is, um, it is, it is really funny. I look at girls' rings all the time and I'm like, oh, God, please no. Don't tell me that's your engagement ring. <laughs> and <laughs> why, do you, I, why do you say that? Like, uh, like what
1: about it would make you th- feel that way?
0: There are girls. There's something called um, – um, it's a way that the stones get set and they're all these small little stones and they push them up against each other. And it's a nightmare to fix. Um, It makes it look like you have a big stone, but you don't actually, um, which is cool, but it's really hard to fix. The diamonds are generally not a super great quality, and that's not a bad thing, but when you put them all together and someone wants to wear this ring for the rest of their life and you have not-so-great diamonds in a not-so-great setting, it's a not-so-great situation. They're going to go... I'm also dealing with the politics of like making people happy when they buy stuff and what people like what people want that ring to mean it's like, sad yeah. because
1: i feel like that to the problem that you're talking about right now is because that we're putting forward this fallacy that like size equals love and that size is the only good thing about a ring so like it, it, the, these rings you're talking about it's like the poor guy probably couldn't obviously afford one large diamond so He's like oh like this has got to be the next best thing and it's like no like that's not the next best thing but yeah. just you know they don't they don't know any other way to think about it
0: yeah. And I am totally against that. Like I um I yeah, I agree with you. It is a fallacy and it is my my great thing about diamonds and the main thing I wanna stress to people when purchasing an engagement ring is you're buying a diamond because diamonds they're the least likely stone to break. Um, which means you can wear it all the time and you can bang the crap out of it and you do not have to go to your husband crying because you cracked the stone in
1: half. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that is, I mean, you would not believe the amount of people that lose their diamonds or lose gemstones or lose rings. And it's just like, at least if you have a diamond, you can wear it every day and be like, yeah, nothing, nothing will ever break it. It's very rare. And when they do get cracked. Um diamonds have a cleavage plane, so you can essentially break them if you hit them the right way. It's kind of like an egg where if you put pressure on an egg from the top and the bottom, they're really hard to break. But if you just crack it, it will break right open. It's similar with that, but the diamond – I mean because of that, the diamond is really strong um most ways and typically doesn't break. That's such a so. good
1: point about di- like man you're you're definitely selling me on this point that's something i never really thought about with diamonds and why we use them for wedding rings and stuff that you're paying for the lifelong value of this diamond which ideally that's what you want your marriage to represent and that ring to represent is like we're going to be together forever so we need this ring that is going to last forever
0: yeah it's in an it's an unbreakable thing like we need something you're you're putting you're paying a good amount of money, or even if you're paying a small amount of money, you are taking money that you wouldn't have necessarily put in any other situation. So why, I love love everyone. I think people are great, but why get a Morganite? Because a Morganite is going to scratch. You're going to have to get it repolished. You're going to look at it four years from now and you're going to be like, what was I thinking? Unless you never wear it, which most girls, I feel like, when they get it, even if they're not that into rings, when they do get it, they'll be like, yeah, I'm going to wear that.
1: Yeah, totally. What is a morganite?
0: Um, a morganite is this light pink, really beautiful stone. It looks excellent in rose gold. It's awesome. But um, it will... Much more fragile. Yeah, much more fragile. And they just get scratched up. Like, um, I have a lot um, of stuff. Like, I like sapphires. I got this awesome, gorgeous sapphire. I got it pre-owned. And I knew it had nicks and stuff in it. And I felt good about it because I'm like, at least I'm not the first one to scratch this up because it's going to happen. Oh,
1: man, totally. My rings Um, are so banged up. Like, I've just banged (laughs) the crap out of my rings. And I've only been married for a year now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just crazy. So, um, I encourage people... um, yeah, if you want a if you want a big looking stone, the other thing I would say is fine. If you want a huge stone, then wait. Get yourself um uh diamonds are really pretty too because they're colorless. I think that's a really the way a diamond sparkles like how you see the different colors when you move it around and the way it catches light. Like other stones don't do that. Like um Sapphires don't do that. They don't throw the light the same way. There's not colors. And that actually is um, a thing that you grade. Um, So it's called the fire. Other stones don't have that. So it's like really a cool thing. So that's another reason why I think diamonds are a selling point. But if you don't have the money... Um, a CZ is um, a simulated stone that is soft. Over time, it will get beat up, like a um, like a morganite or like something else, maybe even more beat up. But the truth is, it's going to look like she has a diamond for a while. And when you're ready to actually throw in the money to do a big stone, if this really matters to your girl, then that's something that I would. I- I've seen people do it. I think it's great. Sometimes they never end up actually getting a diamond. But, you know, if you want that big look, I would say to do that over, you know, spending a ton of money that you don't have or picking another stone that's really going to cost you a little bit more and will get, um, you know, beat up.
1: Man, that's all such good advice. And I think what you're saying about um, just kind of be sure you're on the same page with the person before everything starts out, like none of the none of the guys that i know that that propose to their girlfriends like go to and and for that matter i didn't do <laughs> i didn't do this with my wife either but like i i know my wife really 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 well and that, and i i you know like, i chose to do something you, unique for her because i knew that she would want you know that that's that would be yeah. the thing that she would like yeah versus like if i were to ask 90 percent of my guy friends that have proposed to their girlfriends they're just like Oh, yeah. Like, I just went and got her a big ring because I think she wants a big ring. And it's like, you shouldn't just think she wants a big <laughs> ring. Like, what wh- who, who? Who? What made you decide that? Like, it's like, like commercials on TV made you decide that. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. um, so I think it, to your point, like, maybe it's a good idea to if you don't really know what they want or what they care about. Something you said so much earlier in the show, which was interesting and that I liked is like. And for like, you know, if you're buying yourself a ring or whatever to, in order to be in a certain price range, be like, okay. this is the carrot size that I want. Therefore, this is what I have to sacrifice in clarity, or this is the clarity that I know that I want. Therefore, this is what I know the carrot size can be. So to maybe if you're like a guy listening to this and you one day are going to propose to a girl, like maybe you just like it does. That's not going to have to like ruin the whole surprise or you, you know, they don't, they're not going to then know what the ring is going to look like or when it's coming or this or that, but at least to just be like, Hey, in the event that we do get engaged one day, What out of these three things is like your top priority something really unique looking something big or something really clear or you know like something like that and give them like a little test if you don't if you don't know one way or the other that way you'll do the right thing you know.
0: Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. I love surprises, but in in my opinion, and I think when guys can really surprise girls like you did with um, your wife, I think it's amazing um, when you're on that same page. And a lot of guys do know. Yeah, we're on the same page, or yeah, we're not. But if you don't know, even like when you're on vacation, when you're screwing around, like take your girlfriend in, get her something stupid at a jewelry store, and then be like paying attention to what she looks at. Like, there's a million ways to find out. Pinterest. If you snoop around on our Pinterest, i betting you money if she thinks she's ever getting engaged she has at least a few right (laughs) so um yeah i mean you just got to be open and stuff and for the record um i love diamonds huge diamond fan want a three carat emerald cut that is you know near colorless and you know a vvs one that's going to be like forty thousand dollars and maybe one day i'll get it but um And my husband, he came to me and he said, Whoa, girl, this ain't gonna happen. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? Cool. Um, I picked out a setting. I had it made. And I was like, well, let's just get the setting. Just get me engaged and we'll deal with the rest of it later. So you put just
1: a kind of like a placeholder stone in there for now?
0: Um, No, he proposed to me with just a little band that um, my friend made, and I love it to death. It's um, really just simple. And then we went together and decided what we wanted to put in the actual engagement mounting. Um, So he proposed to me with my wedding band, and then um, the engagement mounting, we went together because he was like, yeah, I want you to have something a little bit more. And so I have a a two-and-a-half-carat black diamond, which way cheaper, still as durable, I can wear it all the time, and um, I think it looks awesome. and Probably I got goes. I
1: was gonna say, yeah. Like so, my my wedding band is black, and I noticed that it goes like way better with clothes. You know, like yeah. it's like it's like a piece of your outfit. You know, because it's this black yeah. thing. Like it's just really cool. You know.
0: It does. And it has the same characteristics as diamonds. It's huge, but it was uh, way more inexpensive. And I am thrilled that that's what we did and that he talked to me and um, that we went through the whole thing together. So sometimes that can mean as much.
1: Yeah, that's so great. And yeah, like you guys are both on the same page and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there rings or i'm sorry are there gems in the kind of like gem community that are less commonly known by regular people but that are like really favorites in the gem community that like gem people love but regular people don't even know that much about them
0: um well i would say like with the emergence of morganite like people Already knew about morganite, and we're like, oh yeah, I love that. Um, I think pareva tourmaline, so you know that color mint that all girls are fawning over right now. Uh, just kind of like a
1: light green or something. You yeah,
0: mean? the light greenish blue. Yeah, yeah. There's um a gemstone that is that color. It's called a paraiba tourmaline. Sometimes it ranges more into the dark blue too, but um that I think will be coming around here soon and be even more popular. And it's intensely expensive too. So and and gem people know about that, but they don't um you know they're already like, Oh yeah, you know, I have one of them and I love that. And, and, um, I, I bought one, blah, blah, blah. But people, um, who aren't as into it, aren't quite as aware.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That would be one, I guess. Okay, cool. So if you were in Tucson during Tucson gem show, just go out, like asking people about that gem when I'd be like, this person's cool, man, they know what's up
0: yeah yeah i think you'd find more people you'd be like oh man you really know where to buy your stuff or you really know what's up if they know a little bit about it
1: (laughs) cool awesome um so what's the deal with birthstones i have always wondered that like is this something that was just created by the jewelry industry the way that valentine's day was like created by hallmark
0: um no birthstones have essentially been around forever um or it's uh, when I was reading a little bit about it, like to dated back to the Bible and stuff, but they definitely have become more a staple because of the jewelry industry. Obviously, I think that what happens with anything um, that can benefit an industry, um, but they're supposed to be like characteristics that go with it. Like opals are, are a super sister stone. You're not supposed to um, give them or or be given them um, unless they're your birthstone, um, I think is is more what the superstitions about, which is kind of funny because it, it kind of cuts some people out. Yeah. Um, and you're never supposed to buy them for yourself. So, um, that's like, but yeah, they they are they relate to characteristics, and then are supposed to be given for that birth month and um, a characteristic that is a positive thing about a person.
1: I love that. Now I really like birthstones. That's so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, yeah. I'm i i think it's cute i mean and especially for like young girls and stuff to say like this is um what uh this gem is about and i'm giving it to you for that so yeah yeah
1: yeah that's really cool unfortunately like isn't there a wide range in terms of like some of the like i'm august which is like peridot peridot i don't know how you're supposed to say that but that's like pretty inexpensive i think like are there other ones that are like that really expensive, but like, is, does somebody have diamond as a birthstone?
0: Yes, diamond is a birthstone. Um, Man, I, what a
1: bummer for like the parents having kids with like know, really right? expensive birthstones.
0: <laughs> um, and there, there, it ranges. It really does range. Yeah, January, February is amethyst. Wait, let me just double check. Yeah,
1: that's me. like super cheap.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, so it's, it's definitely interesting like that. Cause you get lucky if you're like someone and they, um, some of them have like doubles too, where one's really expensive and one's not, which kills me because then I'm like, oh man, I want them more expensive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For example, I, I, which is a kind of funny thing to me, I was married in June, so I would like to get an alexandrite, which is that ridiculously expensive stone, or a pearl, which is only semi-expensive, so June has two. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're peridot and peridot, I, I really, peridot is a cool color. It's definitely awesome.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, So, (laughs) you are a gemologist. In order to become a gemologist, do you have to go to school or get a certification? How does all that work?
0: Yes, um, you do have to go to school. I went to the Gemological Institute of America, which um, there are two campuses. There's one in New York, and there's one in Carlsbad, California. I think there's also some internationally, but I am not completely familiar with that. You can just look them up online. Um, But... Uh, I cannot express how much I loved the school. I thought it was perfect. But literally, you're sitting in front of a microscope most days just chilling out, trying to figure out if the diamond is pretty or not or trying to find out if the diamond is coral or not. Like, you really um, I listen to a lot of music and you, you know, go through and and learn how to grade these stones and then someone tells you if you're right or wrong and what made you right or wrong and um, you have to pay for living in New York. They don't have um, housing for the campus so you have to find your own housing i went up there when i was young it was crazy my parents were like what do you think you're doing (laughs) but it was awesome i wouldn't trade it for anything
1: how long is the school
0: the school is much more like a trade school it is um nine months i want to say eight or nine months um and there's different classes starting at at different times of the year Um, you, you don't have to sign up to become a graduated gemologist. You have to do the whole thing, which is diamond grading and colored stone identification, but you can just go to do diamond grading, um, or colored stone identification. I think you can just do that one alone, but they're just in different chunks. Um, but to become a graduated gemologist, you have to do both of them, which is the longer thing. Um, and that ends up being about eight or nine months and you can also do it in home studies. I would not recommend it for anyone who is thinking they're interested in this just because I find immersion to be super important.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. In so many things. So let's go ahead and wind this thing down, Hannah. We've kind of gone over the path to becoming a gemologist, so we don't really have to give any advice on that. Let's just give advice to people, uh, which is going to be a much bigger pool of people anyways, um, that are going to be buying a gem or buying a ring of any kind. Like, What advice would you give to people looking to purchase jewelry?
0: Okay, um, if you have anyone that knows about jewelry, take them with you because it's helpful and um, I never act like you know everything. The dumber you act around people, the more information they'll give you and it's awesome. Um, I would always start looking at places like pawn shops or antique places. A lot of times they'll have used things And, and pawn shops, if you know at all what you're looking for, are a great way to get a good price and Um, if you don't care and you want to go in and you just want to buy something and you are comfortable with a more, um, range of price points, I would say find a jewelry store or find a salesperson that really makes you comfortable and you feel that you can, um, you can express exactly what you want because there is endless possibilities with jewelry. Like you said, your wife wanted something much more unique and you were able to do that. Um, There are people who want something so simple and so classic. Um, And if you find the right person to work with, you can just get the best gifts out there. Stuff that people will have forever because a lot of these things, like, gold sticks around. Um, no one's like throwing their gold in the trash. So, um, yeah, I think it's a great gift and a good way to, um, to have something that's a good memory for a long time.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love it. Well, I will have to have you, um, send me some links to some of your like favorite places to look and stuff like that. And I'll put links to all that up on the website. Um, I'll definitely put a link up to the people that I found my wife string on Etsy or some other cool Etsy things and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to check out any of that, just go to the post for this on half hour intern and, uh. That is it. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the show. We no, really appreciate it. No, thank you.
0: It. This has been awesome. I'm so happy that you're doing this and yeah, it was great. A great afternoon for me, so. Awesome.
1: awesome. Thank you.
0: Yep, of course.
1: Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you told a friend about it to help spread the word about the show. And if you've been listening to the show for a little while and been enjoying yourself, I would really appreciate it if you left a review on iTunes. That's a way that a lot of people learn about new podcasts. And the more reviews and the better reviews that a podcast gets, the more people that that podcast ends up in front of. So that would be a really awesome way to help the show. And if you're sitting there and thinking to yourself, yeah, that's all fine and good, Blake, but uh, what are you gonna do to help me out? Well, how about being a guest on Half Hour Intern? That is right. You could totally be a guest on this show. So if you have been sitting there listening to this show and thinking to yourself, you know what, I do this totally awesome thing for a living, or you know what, I have this awesome hobby that I'm really, really passionate about, and I would love to tell people about it. Go to halfhourintern.com and click on the submit your ideas link at the top of the page. And through there, there will be forms that you can fill out to get in touch with me about the possibility of coming on the show and being a guest yourself on the Half Hour Intern Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening.